live from the capital of the Commonwealth. This is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. Unconventional, but understandable. It's Shohei at the plate. And now it looks like they're going to pitch to him. Shohei will bat as the tying run here in the seventh inning. There's a fly ball, left center field. Did he get it up? He flips the bat. Bader's at the wall. It's gone. It's tied. Shohei Otani, his 35th home run. And it's 3-3. Three three. You know what the most significant part of that play-by-play call on Los Angeles Angels television last night was? Well, I get it. The home run to tie the game was probably the most significant part of that play-by-play call. But how about Otani flips the bat? I think I heard that correctly, AJ. I don't know if we can re-rack that and listen to that part again. I think I heard that right. Well, you heard it because I saw it. It was beautiful, and I thought the same thing. We are in sync. Yeah. That's kind of an emotionless superstar who doesn't show much emotion and for Otani to have a bat flip, that's worth seeing a couple of times over in a huge moment last night for the Angels against the big bad, you know, New York Yankees. Um, that was pretty cool. Welcome to the Sports Huddle for a Tuesday afternoon live in studio today. I love saying that. Love being here. Bob Black with you here. AJ over there in the producer's booth on the other side of the glass, as we have loved to say for years and years. Hope you'll be a part of the program with us this afternoon. Yeah, we let off with baseball today. My favorite. But why not? Talk about a couple of superstar athletes who are in the news because no one knows where they're going to wind up, right? Shohei Otani is one, and we could know something by August 1st, which is the trade deadline in Major League Baseball. Now, you can still make trades after August 1, but it is significantly more challenging and difficult to pull them off. So something could happen by August 1. If not, Otani becomes a free agent at the end of the year, and can pick and choose where he wants to go. So that complicates the trade for him as well. Does a team trade for him that just needs him for 60 games to try and win a division or a wild card, get in the playoffs, win a World Series, and then roll the dice and take your chances that you can re-sign him to what will be the most astronomical multi-year multi-million billion dollar contract in the history of baseball i don't think there's any doubt that's coming or do you lose them and what you've also probably lost in that transaction is three four five of your not only top current players but top prospects because the angels are going to want to back up the truck back up the limo in this case and it'll be a stretch limo and fill it with prospects and current star players in the major leagues. So if you're a general manager, you're really rolling the dice. Now, what if you make that deal and you don't win the World Series? Now you're really behind the eight ball. You're going to get crucified by your fan base if you can't sign Otani after you've rented him for 60 days, you failed to reach your goal, and you've lost all that talent as well. So it's going to be a fascinating scenario to watch what happens with Otani 
by August 1st. Bottom line, the Angels aren't out of this thing yet. They may stand pat. They're one of the more underachieving teams in baseball this year as well. Not to the level of the Padres or the Mets, but they are an underachieving team, as they seemingly are every year, which might play into this for Otani. Like, how many years can I go through this? We always say we're going to get it done this year, and then it doesn't happen. Now, they've been snake bit by injuries, and he's been one of the guys who was minimally hurt. He had the blister fingernail problem, hasn't pitched or didn't pitch for a while at the All-Star break. He came back after the break. He didn't look quite as dominating quite himself. I watched the game that he pitched, and quite honestly, he looked mediocre and still looked uncomfortable out there on the mound. But he is certainly not uncomfortable swinging the bat and hitting the ball. He's homered in three straight games, and they've all been seventh inning or later. So he's been clutch for the Angels, including last night that tied the game against the Yankees, and then he went on to win it. Now, there's still a game under five hundred. They are certainly in the wild card chase, although even that, they're five and a half out of one of the three wild card spots at this point. And I know it's only July 18th, but we're starting to creep down to where games will become a little bit more precious, a little bit more of a premium. So the Angels are going to have to make a decision before August 1st. I would say if they stay in the wild card hunt, I think they got to be within five games of the wild card when we hit August 1. I think they keep them. I just think their asking price tag is going to be so high, they're not going to have too many suitors for him for August, September, and hopefully October baseball for another team, unless there's an assurance that that other team can sign him. If the Yankees come along and say, look, show, hey, here's the deal we're going to give you to sign. We'll trade for you, but you got to sign this thing. The Dodgers apparently are out. AJ and I were talking about that. Either LA Dodgers have said they're out or the LA Angels have said, we're not trading him to our crosstown rival, even if they are in the other league, which makes an awful lot of sense. They're, they're fighting for headlines in Los Angeles. I just don't think that one is is going to happen. So I think he's actually going to stay put as long as the Angels hang around. Now, they could still lose him at the end of the year, and then the Angels don't get anything out of it. That's also a likely scenario. So this is, this is quite the conundrum. One of my favorite words, by the way. Conundrum. You like that word? I appreciate it. You've used a big word in every show the last like four times. I've been very appreciative. That's of pretty it. good, isn't it? Multisyllable, all of that. Conundrum is our word of the day today. All right, and then that extends over to the NFL, and all the talk in the NFL today has been not as specific about Saquon Barkley, although certainly he's coming off the tip of the tongue first, but the running back position in general. I was listening to ESPN Radio on my way into the studio today because Matt is on vacation I miss Matt. So there was no border to border. I wonder how his kickball game went last night. He delayed his vacation just so he could play in the kickball game last night. I hope he did well, and I hope they won before he headed off to the beach uh, for a vacation. But anyway, they were talking about the running back position as a whole, not necessarily just Barkley or Tony Pollard from Dallas, who also didn't get a long-term contract extension and was slapped with the franchise tag, all of that, and where the running backs, plural, in the National Football League are starting to speak out about getting better contracts, better pay, 
better Bennett, whatever the case may be, that it's the most underpaid, underappreciated position in the NFL. And there could be a, get this one, AJ, in addition to the writers and the actors, there was even talk of a running back walkout on opening day in the National Football League. Could you even imagine such a thing? It would never happen. I wouldn't have imagined it, but there was like some cute guy in the station yesterday who basically was implying that whole story, and then, you know, everybody caught up to him. Whoa, so, whoa, whoa. Must go be back a to the beginning. Guy. Go back to the beginning. Who was that you? I just remember some guy talking about how Saquon Barkley trying to do a whole movement. I, I remember this conversation. I don't know who did it. Might it was you. Was it me? You? I don't know. Might have been. I see I see I see the worldwide mothers listening to us. <laughs> you got that smirky smile. See, that's the beauty of being in the studio. I can actually see you on the other side of the glass and you have that smirky smile on your face. Anyway, that is not going to happen. There is not going to be a walkout of running backs. Uh, many of the other running backs in the league, while they will certainly support Saquon Barkley, they're making an appropriate salary in many of these other cities. And I don't think they want to mess that up. There was even some talk on the show today ahead of ours about um, sitting out if they make the playoffs and sitting out the playoff game. That might be the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Worked for Lamar Jackson. You would get no sympathy anywhere. You would lose the PR fan battle so badly it wouldn't even be worth it, number one. And number two, if they're a playoff team – And I know you can be mediocre and be a playoff team, see Washington Commanders. But for the most part, if you're a playoff team, you're a pretty good football team. And you probably have other ways to win a football game than just handing the ball off to your running back or swinging them out of the backfield to catch a few passes. Now, I'm underappreciating the position when I say that, and I'm embellishing it just to make a point. But, I mean, they can win a playoff game without a running back for a game, without that running back. They'll have other running backs who will be serviceable, and they'll have a star quarterback or a star linebacker or defensive end or shutdown cornerback that could help them win a playoff game. There is no way in the world that a running back is going to gain traction and sympathy by sitting out a playoff game as a protest. I just That would be like the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard of an athlete trying to prove his point. Sitting out game one of the year, maybe. That would kind of make a little bit more sense, but not a playoff game. Let me ask you something, Bob. Think about it. If all the running backs that are in the playoffs next year just decide to sit out, that would do more than what the rider strike and the actor strike would do. No, it wouldn't. Who would who would line up at running back? You mean like every running back on the roster? Just, all right, come all right, on. Just, if if just you're a, wait a minute, a if second. you're a running back on the practice squad, and like the three guys on the roster say they're not playing in a playoff game, if I'm on that practice squad, I think I'm playing. That's fair. I do. I mean, I understand scabs and all that. I don't know that that's really crossing the picket line there. I just can't see it. And you know what? I'll put a darn tight end in the backfield and tell him to block, block for my quarterback, and I'm Patrick Mahomes is going to succeed if he doesn't have his running back. I if if I cannot believe we're talking about the NFL right now with this. I well, we're get, only a week away, a little more than a week away from a, training camp. No, but this is the NFL that we live in. That running backs are just basically irrelevant. I just pulled up the highest paid. You got McCaffrey at 38. You got Kamara at 33. Henry at 25, and then it goes off a cliff. Yeah. The sixth person, the sixth highest paid person in the NFL is making $15 million. <laughs> And we're going to have sympathy? 
I don't have sympathy. I just think they have a point, and I don't like where the league's going. At I all. don't disagree with that. I do think they have a point, and I, Damian Woody said it uh, either on the Sports Center update or on the show preceding hours. The the union needs to get involved here. This is a perfect case for the NFLPA, NFL Players Association Union, to do something constructive for its players. Yeah, but let's flip it though. Like, what do you think the union can actually do? Like, I don't know that. That if, I don't know. If 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 you're so sure that they would balk at a running back strike and they just put a tight end there, then then I don't think the union's going to be. I I just think the position's going to die out, and we're going to be doing like five wide receivers, and the game's going to be so different in five years. I'll tell you what. If that happens, I'm going to be the outlier, and I'm going to figure out a way to keep my running back in the game, and I'm going to make defensive coordinators figure out how to defend him it's kind of like you know the fullback has gone out of the game but every once in a while you see a team that still uses a fullback and oh wait a minute now we got to figure out what to do with that fullback if we're the defense and the defensive coordinator so if that happens i would be the outlier team and i would keep a running back particularly a versatile running back who can both run and get into a pass catching uh, route running situation uh, I do think they're underappreciated. I've always said that. Like, all this about we can't draft a running back in the first round. Like, I was big on Saquon Barkley being a first-round pick. I think he deserved that and deserved that money. And now you wouldn't touch a running back in the first round. My goodness, can't take a running back. They're they're too common. They're dime a dozen. If he's the right guy, I'd, I'd be taking him. But I don't think sitting out like that is is going to solve their problem. I really don't. So we'll see what Barkley does. Obviously, he doesn't have to participate in training camp. Will he continue to train on his own? Will he play the first week of the season? Will he sit out the first week of the season? And they're playing the Cowboys the first week of the season. So Tony Pollard might not be there. Oh, he I, he's not, he's right behind Saquon. Yeah. They're both not going to play. Right. Well, that stinks for the NFL, right? I'll say that yeah. much. And for fans, that we've got the Giants and the Cowboys and the two running backs. And Ezekiel Elliott, he's gone. From the Cowboys, so maybe you're right, Dave. Maybe you're onto something. There's no running back. There's a big black hole behind the quarterback. No running backs. backs. The running backs are going to hit Twitter and start talking about how they're helping the writers (laughs) with their writer strike as well by joining us. Everyone's going to strike. We're not striking. We're going to be here. And here's what we're going to be talking about on the Tuesday Sports Huddle. Here's what's coming up on today's Sports Huddle. Just a huge fan of sports. This is the River City Rundown. River City Rundown brought to you by the Richmond chapter of the American Red Cross. During these hot summer months, donating blood and volunteering is crucial to the success of the Red Cross. To learn how you can help, visit redcross.org. Uh, really excited about our program today. I'll go in reverse order a little bit since we're talking uh, NFL. Rob Motti will join us, Associated Press NFL writer who does contribute to our program on a relatively regular basis, particularly once we get into the football season. And since we're on the cusp of training camp, we thought today would be a good day to chat with him, talk about that running back situation, the Chiefs, can they repeat, uh, the commanders, where he thinks they are, all of that. Rob Motti will join us in the 5 o'clock hour at 5.30. And coming up shortly here in the four o'clock hour regular appearance by richmond athletic director john hart he's going to be in studio with me this afternoon and we'll spend some time looking back on the 22-23 season for the spiders which i think by most accounts would be deemed a successful 
all-around athletic year at the University of Richmond. We'll get the athletic director's take on that, and we'll start to preview what's coming up in 23-24 for the Spiders. The fall season is right around the corner. Football camp will begin in a couple of weeks for Coach Russ Huseman and the Spider football team, so we'll get a preview. And, of course, it would not be a conversation with John Hart if we didn't talk NIL and transfer portal. It comes up every time we have a conversation, and it will today as well. In between all of that, we've got time for you. 804-327-0888. That's our call-in number. It's also our text line. That's a great way to interact with us as well. 327-0888. All right, we're already at 417. Let's get the first break in. Thank you for joining us this afternoon on the Sports Auto and locking in on 1061 ESPN. There are a lot of questions that need to be answered. Is Sam Howell the man in D.C.? Can Dak Prescott and the Cowboys make it to the Super Bowl? Can Russell Wilson bounce back from last season's disaster with the Broncos? The answers begin in training camp and we'll bring you the latest from each camp around the league. Here on 1061 ESPN Richmond. Welcome back. Bob Black back with you. Sports Huddle on a Tuesday afternoon, a little past 20 after 4 o'clock, 106.1 ESPN. We normally promote, well, we do promote and position this segment with Richmond Athletic Director John Hart. Normally is like 4.30 to 5, but John is always more than punctual. You must have learned this from your college playing days. Like if you're 10 minutes early, you're five minutes late. That kind of my dad was a high school coach. <laughs> that's where it came from. He instilled yeah, it in oh, you, right? Yeah. He uh, he lived by the Lombardi rule. Yeah. So um, yeah. So since you're already here, let's get started. It's not even four thirty yet. We'll pay you double for what we normally would pay you for the half you're hour. A generous man, aren't I though? A generous man. I'm pretty good at the budget. I'm pretty good with the budget. All right. Let's start with a recap. Let's look back before we look forward. Uh, and we've mentioned this a couple times on the air. The data came out. The numbers came out for the um, 22-23 season. So Richmond finished sixth in the state in winning percentage overall, 133 and 110. The Spider women were sixth at a 57-46 clip, 55% winning percentage, and the men were 54%. So you know, pretty pretty comparable, 76 and 54, 64. Um, so those are the data numbers. The Director's Cup looked really good. Top Atlantic 10 team, about 110, I think, out of all schools, which is pretty solid, best it's been in a long time. Do those numbers translate to the athletic director's perspective on quality of year that the Spiders had? Uh, yeah, they sure do. They do, Bob. I mean, they're they're one of the indicators on the dashboard of whether you're having a successful season or not. But really, and, and you know this from all of your years with the Spiders, you, you really live in the moment, though, with teams. And it's uh, it's um, you know, you go from one game to the next. And I, I really don't come up for air, really, except for between seasons. So uh, it's it, it, uh, while it didn't surprise me that we had such a successful season. Um, the fact that we were uh, so dominant when compared to all the rest of the A-10 was a surprise to me. But that's hmm. I think that's a reflection of how strong we finished this spring with, yeah. with those three championships. Mm-hmm. And I would say, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong in this kind of take on this, but kind of breakthrough years for at least a few programs. Right? I would say you could say football had a breakthrough year. I know not in the Atlantic 10, but football had a breakthrough year. Women's basketball gets the postseason. I would call that breakthrough. And at least women's lacrosse, men's lacrosse has done what it did before, but women's lacrosse wins a game in the end. I mean, those three at least, would you 
say, you know, kind of breakthrough years. It, it's it's great progress when you see that kind of success, Bob. I mean, we we uh, have a broad based program, as you know, and we we're always striving to win championships. That's what we try to do at least once every uh, four years. So each of our student athletes at at Richmond get to experience that uh, thrill of competition in, in a championship. But um, but this year, I, I do think those were special. Um, Special seasons for those programs, and and I hope they're they're the just the indicator of the trend line that uh, those programs and our other programs are on. I think you know you look at for example women's basketball and Aaron Russell's work here. I think that's just uh, yet another punctuation mark uh, as he builds a championship program with the Spiders. Mm-hmm. I think Ann Harrington and the women's lacrosse team again. This this is no surprise that they broke through. It was just a matter of when, not if. I look at Dan Shimadi and what he's been been doing with the men's lacrosse program. Again, he's been knocking at the door of the NCAA championship and winning a game there. Uh, it's going to happen sooner rather than later. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. So, you know, I, I think every one of those programs is is moving in the right direction. They've got great leadership. We try to give them uh, all the support we can, and, and they utilize it as best they can to provide our student-athletes with absolutely top-shelf competitive uh, experiences at Richmond. All right, so now what's the summertime challenge to cobble everybody together and say, okay, let's build upon what we did last year. Those are really good numbers that I rattled off, you know, winning percentages, wins, all of that. You spoke you know, eloquently about those teams. What do you do in the summertime with your coaches, with the athletes to say, okay, we need to build on this and 23-24 is getting ready to start? Well, the first thing I tell all of our staff, coaches included, is to get some, uh, some self-time hmm. and to Get a little bit of relax and rejuvenation in there, and for those, uh, you know, get 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 in touch with your family. You know, this these hours that uh, that all of us work, but particularly our coaches with recruiting, being on the road, the travel, you know, it, it really uh, you know has got to come at the expense of someplace, and a lot of times that's family time. So I, I encourage our, our staff to get back in touch with their family, enjoy some downtime, get those batteries recharged. And then let's get right back at it. Because I look at it, the analogy I use a lot of times is putting the foundation in, pl- in place to build championship programs. And that's what a lot of our programs have bought into is that we have the pieces in place now and we're showing great signs of progress uh, with success. Now let's build those championship uh, memories. And so that's uh, a little bit different with every program, though. It's a little bit different depending on where you are. You know, I, hmm. I had a conversation, I guess it was uh, not too many days ago, with our, our new baseball coach, and he's in a whole different place. You know, right now he's learning names and uh, of his staff and of his, his team and trying to figure out, uh, you know, uh, what, what makes Richmond special so he can represent us well on the recruiting trail. And um, so everybody's at a little different place. Uh, you know, some have different challenges. I was just talking with Chris Mooney, and uh, he's doing very well. But I, I'm still, you know, I still have concerns. I feel like uh, I'm his uh, father, you know, sometimes checking in with his, his health. But he's, he's great. He, as a matter of fact, he's telling me he's going to be on the golf course for the first time in a long time here in the coming week. So I know he's looking forward to getting a little bit of rest and relaxation in this summer. But uh, there, there's really no wet rest for the weary. The, the truth of it is, Bob, uh, we're on a 12-month schedule, and we're all working 
you know, moving our program forward, and uh, we're all working to to achieve that champion level success that uh, we talk to our student athletes about so much. It's funny you bring up Coach Mooney. I actually ran into him in a local restaurant accidentally the other day, and we were catching up a little bit. And one of the things, obviously, you always say, "Hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling?" And to your point, he was said, "Fine, I'm doing great." And I kiddingly said, "How long is it going to be before you start getting tired of that question from everybody? All well wishers, obviously." But and he said, "As long as my answer is still that I'm doing really well, you can keep asking that question," which was the answer. So uh, he is doing very well, right? And, and moving forward. He's, he's doing really well. He's, he's been ahead of uh, progress the whole time since, uh, since uh, his surgery, and uh, we wish him and his entire family well. And, again, I'm, I'm hoping I, he was talking about maybe getting away to a Major League Baseball game just to enjoy a little downtime with, with, with the boys, and I hope that happens uh, so we can uh, you know, hit the hardwood running when, uh, when the fall season runs, uh, the fall semester comes around. His uh, his Phillies and my Phillies are doing quite well right now, so it would be a good time to take a trip. It, to... it was like I teed that up. You did, you. you did. Before the break, and we will look ahead. So let's ask about men's basketball for a moment. How do you kind of judge or analyze this past season, coming off a great year, NCAA year with veteran guys, different looking roster, and then with what happened to Chris and how everybody handled that in the last month? Obviously. Didn't win as many games as we would like. Anybody on the program would tell you that. But there were so many extenuating circumstances. How do you kind of evaluate that? And we'll put a wrap to 22-23 on that note. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it, it has an asterisk, no doubt about it. I, I think uh, the rest of the staff all stepped up. The team stepped up. But it was a, a trying, challenging circumstance. And you could you could feel it, particularly um, for those weeks immediately following the announcement of Chris's uh, his cardio issues. And so, um, you know, I, I think you assess it for what it's worth. It was a different time, different stresses, different trials, different tribulations. Uh, yet, you know, the, the guys played well, and uh, they had some nice wins in that, in that stretch. But I think uh, to a player, the ones that I've talked to, they've all said that, uh, you know, that's not the way anybody scripts the season mm-hmm. to end. And uh, they, I, I saw them come together. I saw them grow as a team. And I think they have a lot to build on. And I know they're all looking forward to, to building on those lessons learned last season as we prepare for the upcoming season. So, like I said, you know, it's it, it, to, to our fans, our supporters, uh, our alums, it, it seems like this season's only a, a few months long. But the fact of the matter is it, it is a, it's a 12-month calendar. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're always in preparation mode. And that's uh, there's no exception there. And basketball, as you know, has been – been working out and uh you know everybody's like i said is excited about the guys coming back and the guys joining the program and we're looking forward you know to, to seeing them in action here this upcoming season we will flip the calendar to 23 24 verbally when we come back after the break and we'll look ahead with richmond athletic director john hart we continue the sports huddle 1061 espn the Atlanta Braves are rolling with their sights set on a sixth straight division title and their second championship in three years. Catch the action here on 1061 ESPN Richmond, your home for the Atlanta Braves in the capital city. All right, welcome back. It is uh, Spider Hour, which happens often on the sports huddle. 
1061 ESPN. And as you just heard, all the games coming your way. We never really did make that formal announcement and a big deal about that because it's been going on for so long now. But with John Hart in the studio, might as well officially make that announcement. Another three-year deal um, for Richmond Spider Athletics right here on ESPN Richmond, which will bring us, John, you probably didn't even know this, to 20 consecutive years Twenty on years. this I don't want to say this radio station because our dial frequency has changed, positioning has changed, but the ESPN brand and this group of radio, same station really for 20 years, which is a long time. That is incredible, and it's a reflection of what a terrific job you and the crew here do, Bob. As you know, I'm one of your biggest fans. and I, I Thank goodness. <laughs> I love listening to you, and I think you just do a great job. I've so. had other athletic directors. I wasn't their biggest fan, that's for sure. <laughs> ah, that's for sure. So I appreciate, I definitely appreciate that. Uh, all right, let's get back into more serious matters. So let, in looking ahead, let me start here, and this may throw you a little curveball, and our audience probably a curveball is going to say, all right, I can start with football or even men's basketball. They're the sports we talk about the most. But you've brought in two new coaches, two new head coaches, um, Adam Denton, women's soccer, and Mick Aoki for baseball. What are the expectations for programs in your mind that bring in new head coaches like those two? Exactly what I was referring to in the earlier segment, Bob. You know, we go out there and do national searches and scour the country looking for folks who are committed to the scholar-athlete model and building championship programs. And that's exactly what we uh, we found with both of our new coaches in both baseball and women's soccer. Now, again, neither of them's played one coach been on the sideline or in the dugout for one Spider game yet, but they all have uh, both have great pedigrees and have won at high academic institutions and uh, have done it pretty consistently over the course of their career. So uh, it, it's just a coincidence that both of them have that Davidson mm-hmm. connection, yeah. which. Uh, you know, uh, I have always said that of all the schools in the league, I, I feel like we have the most common ground with, with Davidson College, and I think that's reflected in uh, in these two individuals, too, who both spent uh, several years at, at Davidson. One is a player and, and one is a, a coach in the women's soccer program. You referred a couple times, and, and rightfully so, particularly at Richmond or at Davidson, to the scholar-athlete, to the student-athlete. I don't really know how to phrase the question with all the talk that we've had recently about uh, Transfer Portal, NIL, Transformation Committee, which I have brought our listeners in on a little bit more of late, having been in on a couple of of very educational sessions about that. Um, How challenging is it going to be to keep that model and continue to attain the other goal that you have, which is to compete for championships? You know where I'm kind of headed with this and where college athletics is headed and how much of a concern is that well bob it's a great set of issues and they're a complicated and complex set of issues but the big takeaways for me are um, it really plays into the university of richmond spider athletic strengths with the ncaa transformation committee moving to a holistic student athlete model where they're all about providing support to the whole student and athlete, both sides of the equation. And as you know, that's a hallmark of Spider Athletics where we're trying to develop each of our student athletes to the ultimate um, aspect possible in all facets, whether it's in their sport, the classroom, in research, 
in in their uh, as as far as their leadership development, as far as their career preparation. We have comprehensive programs for all those areas and so much more at the University of Richmond. So I really do think the NCAA shift and focus on the developing the holistic student athlete is really coming going to play right into our wheelhouse. Now the other piece of it is. Um, you know, that with the transfer, transfer portal, I think, and, and I saw an article actually in today's uh, Richmond Times-Dispatch quoting Russ Huseman about um, that we're, we are advantaged in the sense of as a high academic institution, we have a lot of stickiness with our students and, and their families. Um, I think most of our student athletes choose the University of Richmond in spite of athletics because of our great reputation uh, academically. And they tend to stay with us because of that uh, reputation until they get that Richmond diploma. And so uh, I think Russ is particularly acutely aware of it because he's seen a clear trend line there where he can count on guys being in our program uh, at least till they get that Richmond diploma. And then they might look up and see if there's some other opportunities. And, you know, at that point, I, I think we have to kind of salute them because they've done what we've asked them to do. They've given us four or five really good years of hard work and effort, and uh, they've done it both on the playing field and in the classroom. And so if they get an opportunity uh, like Kobe did looking at Wake, mm-hmm. you know, who, who can hold that against them? Mm-hmm. And they're still, uh, you know, proud Spider alums representing the university well. And so, uh, you know, as an athletic director, I always hate to see our Spiders go. On the other hand, when they do everything that you've asked of them, and then, you know, transfer that for that last year of eligibility, you know, you, you really can't hold, hold anything against them or bear a grudge. So when it's the other scenario, when some of them do depart prematurely, how now are you attacking that? I mean, obviously we can use men's basketball as an example to lose the three undergraduates that we lost this year. Is it now just, hey, that's typical, that's what's happening, look at other programs, or is it, you know, how do we try and make sure this doesn't happen moving forward? Well, and, and I didn't know if we were going to take a deep dive on the transfer portal or not today, Bob, but I assume we'd talk a little bit about it. Um, I think it bears out in the numbers in the uh, when you look at the transfer portal that men's basketball is heavily, heavily impacted as a percentage of the participants nationally who are making transfer moves. So I kind of look like at that particular sport in that particular situation – uh, as being a little bit unique to the hardwood. And hmm. it just seems to be um, the culture of that sport to have a lot of movement right now. And I think it has to do with, uh, you know, players wanting to get their playing time as soon as they possibly can. And if for one reason or another that's not working out their current institution, into the portal they go at a lot of places uh, looking for an opportunity where they can get that playing time. So the transfer portal, as I've said on this show many times, is a two-way street. There are those going out. Uh, they get well documented, but then there are those coming in. And if my numbers are correct, men's basketball has three coming in. Women's basketball has three coming in. Football has six coming in. I know that one for sure because we just recorded interviews with all six of them, which will be on richmondspiders.com before too long. A shameless plug, but you'll get to meet some of the new uh, football transfers. And we've been having the men's basketball transfers on this show each of the past couple of Fridays, and we'll keep that going. Is that an expectation now that – 
you know, Richmond, like many schools, never really took a whole lot of transfers. But the landscape has changed tremendously. Are you as the AD comfortable with those kind of numbers of incoming transfers? Yeah, yeah, I am. And it breaks down a little bit further than that, Bob, because it's not all transfers are created equal or from (laughs) the same background. We've had great success with graduate transfers, particularly with the the pandemic years of eligibility Mm -hmm. that the NCAA has tacked on to all student athletes. And so they're looking for a high quality place to get a graduate uh, degree. And it just so happens that the University of Richmond has several uh, wonderful graduate uh, student programs to choose from. And so we've had a a ton of success uh, looking to other high academic schools, whether it be the Ivy League, the Patriot League, or schools like Vanderbilt or Northwestern or Duke, uh, with their uh, student athletes getting their degree at their undergraduate school and then transferring to Richmond to get that graduate degree. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I see that trend definitely, definitely uh, continuing. Uh, and it looks to me as though we still haven't kind of normalized with what we can expect from year to year when it comes to just general transfers. But I don't see it settling down a whole lot anytime soon, mm. particularly in the sports of basketball and football, because that's what the, the trend line is nationally. Um, the other sports, uh, we, we haven't varied too much. I, I think we've taken advantage of the graduate transfers and others um, in a sport like baseball. Um, but I think for the most part, we're still a little bit of a traditional model in the majority of our, our programs compared to other uh, programs across the country. Good to hear as a traditionalist that I am. That is certainly good to hear. One more before before the break here, and you mentioned this holistic approach that, that the NCAA, that schools are going to have to take moving forward. Uh, and as I've mentioned to our audience, uh, I'm you know, fortunate enough to be in some of those educational meetings and not giving away the secret sauce or anything, but I came out of one of those in which the topic of conversation was the Transformation Committee and things that are changing. Again, the pendulum swinging way in the favor of the of the student athlete i came out of that meeting a little fearful not necessarily for us for the university of richmond that there are division one schools that are going to get priced out that they're just not going to be able to afford to be able to be division one schools anymore am i off base there or is that a legitimate fear bob the ncaa was absolutely clear in saying that they are raising the expectations and then therefore the bar as far as the amount of resources and focus that need to be devoted to the, the holistic development of student-athletes. So you are hearing and interpreting that correctly. Hmm. Um, the good news is, again, we have a long tradition of, of providing those types of services and support to our student-athletes at Richmond. So I feel as though we're in a very good place. But I do think when you look across the national landscape, there are going to be some schools scrambling to meet those expectations and to provide those services and commit those additional hmm. resources that'll be necessary. Um, you know, one of the things we're talking about to give you know our listeners a little bit of better sense is, you know, mental health is incredibly important right now uh, across, well, across the country, but particularly in the intercollegiate athletic space. And it's very, very much uh, on the minds as a priority of our student athletes. So, you know, four years ago, we as an institution devo- devoted the resources to hire our first uh, full-time sports psychologist who works with all of our programs. Well, if you look in the Transformation Committee's 
uh, recommendations or actually requirements down the road, they're going to require everyone to have a dedicated sports mm. psychologist in their athletics program. And I would point to that, and there are others examples where we've been just a little bit ahead of the curve when it comes to, you know, treating our spider student athletes in a in a you know whole person holistically developed you know program uh, sort of orientation. And uh, I think a great example is that is when we launched the Student Athlete Leadership Program, which is uh, all about developing aspects off the playing field and off the playing courts of our student athletes that will carry them through their careers after athletics. Yeah. And that was – let me do one more thing, and then we've got to get the break because we're only going to have a minute to say goodbye on the other side probably. And maybe this has already been going on, and I'm just you know naive and, and ignorant and all, and I just broadcast games and have fun with it. But the amount of resources that still had to be dedicated to the student athletes after they were gone – from the universities and is that kind of exponentially increasing now whether that be to finish out their scholarship to get their degree you know several years after they've left that particular school or or medical insurance that they continue to get that kind of thing that's where i got a little taken aback or how how are schools going to afford all this well again i i think every school's got a different history and a different culture at the University of Richmond, we've always been really uh, strong on our persistence rates and our graduation rates, which mm-hmm. means it's a very small percentage of our former athletes and our former students who don't obtain a University of Richmond diploma. But we've also gone after and identified those people and reached out to them. I think Bruce Matthews and his shop has been tr- tremendously aggressive in being advocates for student athletes who uh, didn't get their degree for one reason or another. Maybe they pursued a professional career, maybe they had some family issues, whatever the, the, the situation is, to reaching out to them and getting them back connected to the university and finishing those degrees. So I think we've been doing this for a very long time Good. and doing very well mm-hmm. the University of Richmond. And so I do see this as being part and parcel. Now, this insurance coverage, we're still working out and seeing what that entails. Uh, nobody's got clear, crisp answers when it comes to insurance, apparently. Uh, <laughs> but it, it looks like now there's going to be some additional coverage beyond uh, the, the uh, for the student athletes beyond when their uh, competition and practice mm. days are over. So wow. we'll we'll have to figure that one out a little bit because that is new for all of us. Uh, but uh, rest assured, we will continue to be focused on you know our scholar athlete model and developing the whole student athlete here at Richmond. Deep stuff today, John. We'll, you never know where we're going to go. Bob. You don't. We're going to go to a break, and when we come back, we'll finish up with some fun stuff on the field stuff. When we finish up with Richmond Athletic Director John Hart next on the Sports Huddle. The Braves are back from the All-Star break, and all eyes are on the postseason. How far can they go? Listen and find out with us here on your exclusive home for the Atlanta Braves. 106.1 ESP. All right, because we went so long on the first two segments, this is going to be real short. So, John, uh, how's football going to be this year? Let's wrap it up with that. I'm excited. What do you think? We've got a veteran squad coming back and uh, really good depth, but I think there's some question marks. You know, anytime you you have uh, questions regarding your quarterback situation with a new quarterback under center, um, I think that keeps people pretty engaged and interested. But we've got a lot of talented skill position players coming back. I like what I see up front. Uh, I mean, we, we probably have as good of uh, – offensive line coming back as anybody in our league and probably the country quite frankly and and then on the defensive side of the ball which is near and dear to my heart uh i think we stack up with uh you know our anyone in our league and uh, i think we're poised to have 
a very, very solid, strong, successful season. Championships are won in the trenches, Coach. You know that, right? And I do think our offensive and defensive lines are both talented, experienced, and for an FCS-level team, pretty deep. Yeah, I think so, too. So you never know. That that funny-shaped ball takes some all sorts of bounces. <laughs> but, uh, boy, we look, we look really tough up front on both sides mm-hmm. of the ball, and I agree completely that that's where it all starts. And uh, I think we're going to have enough uh, skill position guys to score enough points to, to win several, several ball games this year. We look forward to it. We look forward to your next appearance with us on the Sports Auto. Come back soon, all right? I will do that, Bob. Always a pleasure to be your guest. Richmond Athletic Director John Hart on a myriad of topics this afternoon on the Sports Huddle. We'll take a break. We get you to the top of the hour. ESPN Sports Center update at 5. And then the 5 o'clock hour of the Tuesday Sports Huddle is coming your way. Thanks again to Richmond Athletic Director John Hart. The 5 o'clock hour of the Huddle right after the top of the hour break on 1061 ESPN. Hi, we're Comparing Insurance Agency.